introduce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show. Every month and sometimes every week, the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. So last week, I made the announcement that, <clears throat> that Jerry Hubbard of Off-Road Air Buddy <laughs> was going to be the interview this week. We had, or I had the right name, but the wrong company. He's actually, Jerry's actually with Toledo Jeep Fest. And everybody knows, if you're a Jeeper, you know about Toledo Jeep Fest. And if you don't, lie about it to other Jeepers because every Jeeper should know this. So uh, great interview with Jerry. And it, it, it was just a, a typo in our calendar. You know, we got a lot of things going on here. <laughs> so my apologies to Jerry. We uh, definitely don't like uh, uh, sending out information that is erroneous like that so but uh, you'll you'll uh, understand when you hear the uh, the interview with jerry tonight just how uh, fun and informative he is all right guys so we'd like for you to get out there and sh- let the people know about the jeep talk show uh we've uh, been uh, telling you to do the hashtag jeep talk show and uh, we've asked you to add the hashtag giveaway uh, on there because we have this big reoccurring giveaway from multiple sponsors. What did you say, Josh? There's 256 of them. It's uh, some sort of binary number or something. <laughs> right. There's only so many colors, and and so that's we we've, we've associated a color with each one and a shade and, and all that. <laughs> Are like we eight. giving something away on this episode too? I yes, mean, this episode. Giveaways, this, you know, this I, wonderful show that we do every week is a gift to to the listener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why are you laughing so hard i don't know that was good <laughs> <laughs> so yes every episode is a giveaway it's that's just, right it's a it's, gift it's just like you know sometimes we give away something that's tangible <laughs> i like it yeah we are god's gift to jeepers ear holes oh, yeah, like, Here we, go. <laughs> we have finally circled fully to what you've been saying for years we're kind of a big deal come on say it for me just kind right. of kind of a big deal kind of a big deal around here there yeah. you go thank you uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey the jts team is here to inform and entertain you about jeeps if you're new to the jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty you're in the right place whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior this show is for you find out more information about the jeep talk show at fancy enough jeep talk show.com it's almost like we know what we're doing right Just a <laughs> hey, Jeeper, welcome to the show on this episode of the jeep talk show if you thought the grand wagoneer was big wait till you see these two jeeps coming to a dealer near you and you won't believe what was found in a jeep coming across the border wait no, you, you probably already figured it out, didn't you? Yeah. And later, I'll be going over all the ins and outs of serpentine belts. There's probably a lot more to it than you think. Well, howdy, it's Wendy. And you know what? I do this great section called Newbie Nuggets on our Friday episodes. I'm hoping that you're checking it out. You just never know what I might share or talk about for the newest of Jeepers. 
Hi, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and coming up on the next episode of Jeep Life with Jeep Mama, my oil woes. So I'm Tony, and I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Interview tonight with Jerry Heber of Off-Road Air Buddy. I mean, Toledo Jeep Fest. There we go. Good correction. Like we know what we're doing. Jerry, I'm sorry. (laughs) Did I mention that? He doesn't listen to the show. I'm sorry. Nobody listens. (laughs) <laughs> oh, he's listening to this one, you know, for sure, because his, his interview's on it. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Now, he should listen to the last episode here. Maybe a couple of them, anyways. <laughs> As if the return of the full-size Jeeps to the lineup wasn't news enough, there are now even bigger Jeeps coming. For the 2023 model year, the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer are getting supersized with the introduction of new long wheelbase variants. For many, stretched L versions of Jeep's three-row SUVs felt like an inevitability after the regular models were revealed last year, well, mainly because of all of Jeep's domestic rivals in this segment offer extended wheelbase versions, not to mention all the attention that the stretched wheelbase uh, uh, Grand Cherokee has received. Both the 2023 Jeep Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L see their wheelbase grow by an identical, well, whopping seven inches. Woohoo! But uh, to 130-inch wheelbase. Likewise, their overall length is extended by an entire foot to 226.7 inches overall. Now, while this growth spurt doesn't really affect their interior passage volume, it does contribute to considerably more cargo space. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but all that extra body means literally dozens of cubic feet more cargo volume. Not only do the elongated Wagoneers have more cargo space in the back for storing stuff, but they also come standard with that new Stellantis twin-turbocharged 3-liter inline-six that we've talked about here on the show before. Dubbed the Hurricane, the 2023 Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L mark the formal debut of this engine. It pairs exclusively with an 8-speed automatic transmission and rear, all, or four-wheel drive options, but output varies between the Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L. The former model has the standard output version that makes 420 horsepower and 468 pound-feet of torque. Nothing to shake a stick at. While the later has a high-output version of the Hurricane with 510 ponies and 500 pound-feet of torque. The 510 horsepower version is also currently available in limited quantities as a $2,000 upgrade on 2022 Grand Wagoneers only. As with the standard wheelbase, the stretched variant can tow up to 10,000 pounds. That's, well, again, nothing to shake a stick at. Some good good specs right there. And it's going to be doing it with an inline six. How about that? We all wanted to know about the MPGs, so, well, here we go. The standard output Hurricane engine is rated at 19 miles per gallon combined, while the high output Hurricane engine is rated at 16 miles per uh, per gallon combined. Getting back to those numbers of the original 4-liter inline-six almost. Now, Jeep says long wheelbase Wagoneers come with fuel tanks that are 4 gallons bigger, and the company says the stretched models weigh about 200 pounds more than their shorter counterparts. A distinct blacked-out appearance will be available only on Wagoneer models as part of the new Carbide package. The kit coats wheels, grille elements, mirrors, and more in gloss back black paint, and the interior features black seats and special trim on the dashboard. It'll be available on the regular 2022 Wagoneer this spring and join the 2023 Wagoneer L lineup when it goes on sale in the second half of this year. The 2023 Grand Wagoneer will also hit showrooms at that time, but Jeep hasn't yet announced pricing for either of the new long wheelbase models at the time of this recording. Well, that's the question I was going to ask. What's the price tag? Yes, how much it's going to be gonna... outrageous. 
I, I'm pretty sure that the Grand Wagoneer L is going to be a six-figure Jeep if, if, if equipped properly. I still think that uh, base price is probably going to be well over 75. Uh, I could see a starting MSRP of around 80 to 85. Uh, well, wait so, a minute, wasn't it, was it last year you talked about the, the Grand, I think it was the Grand Wagoneer coming out, was 115000 or 120000 Which think Jeep you, was that? You, yeah, it was the Grand Wagoneer, I think, I'm pretty sure it was the wagon. it was the, the Grand Wagoneer. Yeah, yeah Grand I, I'm getting yeah. Came with a Macintosh sure. and com computer installed in the dash. Right, Not but, the but, Macintosh <laughs> computer, the so, Macintosh sound system, but yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. So, wait, so I, I'm going to go on a limb here and guess. I bet this is going to come out at about 140 to 150 with that new engine uh -huh. and the inline six. Uh -huh. Come on. It's not going to be. Don't you think? I, I, I've got $150,000 SUV. A, I know, but think about it. They're in that market, right? You know, it's, it, I, I suppose it's entirely up. possible, you know, with, with every conceivable option. I'm going to have to go to the configurator this weekend and see if I can't <laughs> put them together and, and see okay. what I can because I, I was able to, to make a, I think it was 110000 112000 somewhere right around there. I was able to build a Jeep for just over six figures. Let's see if I can do it again and, and, and get it up even higher this time. <laughs> so, I don't know. You guys, I'm, I know you're old enough to remember this. Remember when, the back in the day when the Suburbans were the, the vehicle, the family vehicle to have? Oh, yeah. It was a truck, and it was yep. also a, a, a good ha a hauler of uh, people. So yep. you could uh, you had that truck feel, but you also were able to take uh, the wife, the kids, the grandparents, and uh, the neighbors uh, all for a trip to IHOP or something. This is what this reminds me of. It, it, it's, it's very much like a Suburban, uh, but maybe not as trucky. It's, it's more, you know, smoothie type thing. And, of course, it has seven slots on the front. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm going to wait for, for that price tag. <laughs> one hundred fifty thousand dollars, if if it, that is indeed the price, it's going to need to have uh, running water and plumbing. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I'll be and living a, in the yeah. damn thing. And and also an unlimited supply of fuel and a driver. A thirty year <laughs> mortgage is is what yeah. it will have. Jeez. Exactly. Exactly. Well, a traffic stop on Interstate uh, Interstate 20 and where 59 comes in in West Alabama led to the seizure of four kilos of heroin hidden in the tire well of a Jeep Cherokee. It's becoming a trend, according to federal court records, for criminal organization, organizations to conceal drugs in the tire wells of Jeeps for transport. That is apparent, record states, based on re uh, recent interdiction seizures of vehicles traveling from Mexico through the Northern District of Alabama. The traffic stop for following too close, I mean, come on, really, was made March 25th in Sumner County by 17th uh, uh, Judicial Gr Drug Task Force Interdiction Officers. I say that 10 times fast. Yeah, the, uh, no. the driver, via a translator, gave authorities permission to search the Jeep, and officers quickly spotted tamper marks in the tire well near the driver's side of the vehicle. Officers also noted that rivets had been replaced with aftermarket screws that were not consistent oh with the rest of the God. vehicle. Really? Telltale, right there. Now, officers were aware, based on prior training and experience, according to a Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent, that vehicles with tamper marks and aftermarket screws are common indicators for vehicles being used for drug trafficking uh, means. The driver was traveling with multiple young children. Well, parent of the year, right there. Federal mm -hmm. court documents have stated. Everyone was removed from the vehicle, and the children were turned over to the Alabama Department of Human Resources. The driver is charged with possession uh, with the intent to distribute more than one kilogram of a substance containing a detectable amount of heroin. Uh, they're not identifying the suspect at this time because, well, their life might be placed in danger because of their connection with the cartels. 
Now, at a safe location, officers removed the vehicle part in question and drilled into it. And as they were drilling into it, they observed a powder on the drill bit. The special agents wrote in the, in the uh, uh, report, when the officers broke open the vehicle part and found multiple packages wrapped in cellophane, well, they knew what they were dealing with. <laughs> packages were consistent with the ways that, uh, the ways that drug, uh, drugs such as heroin, fentanyl, and cocaine are commonly wrapped for transport. The weight was approximately 4 kilos or 8.8 pounds. A field test was positive for an opiate, and authorities believed the drug to be heroin. Investigators determined the driver crossed into the U.S. on March 24th and was stopped in Alabama the following day. This is crazy. It's strangely, really sad, the whole str- situation. Strangely but. enough, the price of the new Grand Wagoneer is uh, eight kilos or four kilos <laughs> of heroin. <laughs> per tire. He's on his way for an upgrade. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Almost right. made it. And Almost. Get, and get one of those Macintosh computers in the dash. For, That's right. For an extra God. kilo. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah, so we've seen all kinds of stuff with uh, Jeeps being used around the border. Uh, this is just another another one in a long line of, uh, of reports. So uh, we got a picture uh, on the uh, show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. If you want to see eight pounds of heroin in a Jeep part. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, if you have a news tip response to any one of our stories, we love hearing what you guys have to say. Be sure to let us know. You can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. Hey, stick around. Coming up later in the show, we've got an interview interview with Jerry Huber. Huber, Huber, Hubber. That guy. He's the man behind the Toledo Jeep Fest. He needs no introduction. (laughs) You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, everything you wanted to know about serpentine belts and then some. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show has been my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast and a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, advice, and learning. Oh, all you have to do if you want to be a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show is go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and pick a package. Uh, Josh likes it whenever you pick his package because it's the basic package. (laughs) (laughs) Hey-oh! Oh, Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, yes, today is the day I discovered the difference between a condenser mic, and a dynamic mic, making the dynamic mic my second favorite mic. My first favorite mic is Jersey Mike, which, if you guys don't know, it's a sub shop. Josh, I'm holding you responsible for this. I'm also holding you responsible for the fact that I am balding, and despite having the word pork in it, porcupine does not taste anything like bacon. So spicy. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to ask you guys, if a mime gets arrested, does he still have the right to remain silent? Then I mentioned they're going to be 24% funnier starting next week. All right, boys and girls. Have a good one. I'll chat you later. Goodbye. I'm only 13% responsible for Nikki G's hair loss. (laughs) Clarify that. Put that out there. You got tech questions? What do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! 
Now, over the years, I've covered a lot of topics on our Tech Talk segment, everything from electrical and audio tips to in-depth knowledge about a particular topic, like, I don't know, shocks, fuel systems, stuff like that. From top to bottom, I've covered so many aspects of so many Jeeps over the years that, well, I'm kind of surprised I can still find topics to cover that will not only be helpful and educational, but also at least somewhat relevant and interesting to you, the listener. So, this week, I thought I'd cover something I've never really given much thought to, and, well, chances are, neither of you. A version of this part is in every Jeep manufactured from the very first wheelies to the ones rolling off the line right now as we record this. Now, we don't give it much thought until it starts making noise. And by then we realize, well, we may have neglected the maintenance on such a critical part of our Jeep's engine. The neglect is done at that point, and all that's left to do is replace it. It is a part that goes out over time, after all, and if it hasn't happened to you yet, well, it still might. Have you figured it out yet? I'm talking about your fan belt, or in more modern Jeeps, a serpentine belt. They are the same thing, really, just different geometry. Now, there is, however, a difference between a timing belt and a fan belt or a serpentine belt. Timing belts are a whole different beast, and we'll get into those in another show. Serpentine belts are designed to transfer the rotational movement of the engine to multiple peripheral accessories in your Jeep. The belts themselves are relatively inexpensive, and in most cases are relatively easy to change, too. Belts turn the pulleys for things like power steering pump, the alternator, the air conditioning compressor, you know, things like that. Belts also turn the water pump to circulate coolant from the engine to the radiator, and yes, in some cases, they still turn a fan. These accessories have very little to do with engine combustion, but in many cases, the work performed by the belt is critical to maintain the engine and to keep it running. So, like with anything else that is critical to your Jeep's performance, it is a good idea to do what you can to maintain it. So, on this installment of Tech Talk, we're going to go over some basic maintenance tips, cover some of the most common symptoms of a belt going out, and give you an idea of what you might be looking at to replace it. Okay, so no matter the age of the Jeep, the belt needs the belt it needs will be made from rubber, and over time, rubber belts will stretch, they'll dry out, they'll even glaze over and eventually start to crack and split. Now, the first thing that you should know about taking care of this and your belts and all that is to know where the belt is located. Now, <laughs> I know. This is a well-duh moment for a lot of you, and this is probably going to be well beneath most of you. But you'd be surprised about how many Jeepers there are out there who don't know the difference between a throttle body and a carburetor, let alone where certain parts may be located. The exact location of the serpentine belt may vary depending on the vehicle, but for Jeeps, well, the belt is located at the front of the engine. Now, when checking any belt on a vehicle, you always want to make sure the vehicle is switched off and cooled down. Here's what you're going to be looking for, and it's important to look at both sides of the belt, not just from one side that you can see from, or just from one angle. You're going to first want to make sure that the belt is aligned on the pulleys correctly. The belt slips off the pulleys, well, your Jeep may not run properly, or important components may lose power. This directly correlates to the belt's tension, and its tensioner. Not all Jeeps have a belt tensioner, and in this case, the tension is applied to the belt. Uh, that's done by movement of the alternator, or another component. The tension is a, a tensioner rather is a spring-loaded pulley, and its job is to regulate the amount of tension placed on the belt to make sure it stays, well, on the pulleys. There's also a difference between a tensioner pulley and an idler pulley. An idler pulley is just a static location, meaning it's just a pulley that just sits there and does nothing but spin, but it's there to aid in the routing of the belt. Now, if the tension on the belt is too loose, well, the belt can slip off the pulleys and cause components powered by that belt to lose power. Checking the tension of the belt is pretty easy. You want to look for the longest span between two pulleys and press from the outside to the inside of the belt. It shouldn't move more than about a quarter to a half of an inch or so. The less, the better. But 
Too much tension can actually cause strain on the engine and the bearings of the shafts that hold the pulleys. Now you're going to want to look for any signs of degradation of the belt. A common problem of older belts is called glazing. This glazing happens as the belt is polished, literally polished, from slipping on the pulleys. This is usually, usually due to a lack of grip from the belt being either overworn or from a belt tension problem. Once a belt glazes over, well, it's usually never going to grip properly ever again, no matter how tight it is adjusted. A glazed belt is not the only telltale that you may need a new belt. If your belt is showing signs of chapping, cracking, splitting, or fraying, well, then it's pretty clear something needs to be done. Here's a rule of thumb that I want you to remember when you're looking at a belt. If you want to take away one thing out of all this, here it is. If there are more than three cracks in a one-inch space on the belt, well, it's time to replace it. That's, it's really that simple. That's the rule that you need to remember. Three cracks, one inch, time to go. Belts don't need to be changed very often unless they are getting old or have sustained damage. So, good news for you, right? Your belt should be inspected with each oil change, though. Mechanics will normally check the belt to ensure no significant damage has occurred. However, checking yourself is, well, rather straightforward. So, aside from regular visual inspections, there really are no products that can extend your serpentine belt's life. Now, there may be stuff that you can find on a shelf somewhere or on a line in an ad called belt dressing or something like that, but this is more or less snake oil. And with the low cost of a new belt, why prolong the inevitable? The visual cues that that belt is going bad are only one side of the equation, though. Before you inspect it visually, you may actually hear something audibly that will give you a clue that the belt is going bad. A high-pitched squeal when starting the Jeep or during a hard turn when the air conditioning is turned on are all indications that a belt may be glazed over or stretched, and a replacement should be planned as soon as possible. Now, here's a worst-case scenario that I'm going to paint for you. Failure to replace a worn serpentine belt will result in poor engine performance and eventually, well, no performance at all. A glazed or stretched belt does not grip and turn the pulleys. Instead, it slips across them leading to fewer turns of the pulley than it should have for the RPM of the engine that it's running at. Now, water pumps will not circulate coolant as well, leading to higher running temperatures and efficient engine performance. Alternators will not supply as much electricity, which will shorten battery life or cause weak spark and poor fuel economy. Air conditioners, the compressors will not turn as fast, and the interior of the Jeep will not be as cool as you would expect. A frayed, cracked, or squealing belt will eventually break, and none of the accessories will function at that point. Your steering will become very difficult, the air conditioning will blow warm air, and the Jeep will only run until the stored power of the battery is depleted or you overheat and are forced to pull over or, or the engine is just going to seize at that point. So as you can see, staying on top of your serpentine spelt condition is really rather important. Okay, so how hard of a job is this? In most cases, it's, well, relatively straightforward. Using a long breaker bar, you get a socket on the tensioner pulley. And for a 4-liter, the tensioner is controlled by a threaded rod whose adjustment is controlled by a bolt that is on top of the power steering pulley. Either way, you'll relieve the tension of the belt as you slide it off the nearest pulley. Note how the belt is routed. Take a picture of it beforehand if you have to, or if you don't have a sticker somewhere that shows you the routing of the belt for reference. You'll remove the belt from the engine and the engine bay. Putting, it on the, uh, putting the new belt on is just as easy as routing it to where it needs to go in the same way that the old one was, save for the last pulley, where you will once again disengage the tensioner and slip the belt over the last pulley, usually the same one that you pulled the belt off of in the beginning. Now, if your Jeep doesn't have a tensioner pulley, well, then that likely means that you'll have to loosen up the alternator adjustment bracket. Same as before, remove tension, remove belt, replace belt, apply tension. It's really that easy. One other note here, though. It's a good idea while the belt is off to inspect all the pulleys as well. 
Look for gouges, bends, and get your hands on each and every one and really reef on it from all angles. If you feel any play at all, well, you're probably looking at replacing that part. Sometimes it'll just be a pulley replacement, and sometimes, well, the whole unit like the water pump or the alternator or power steering pump will have to be replaced. But that's it. No special tools required other aside from a long pry bar. Now, yes, there are special serpentine belt tools, but these are not required for this kind of a job on most Jeeps. A serpentine belt tool is basically, in most cases, just a skinnier version of a breaker bar and a socket together, giving you a little more room to work with, making the job a little bit easier. But again, not required. But if you're into tools, well, it's good to have one around like I do. Now, the average cost of a belt replacement varies on the engine in your Jeep, but you can expect to pay between $25 and $75 for the belt itself. If you were to take your Jeep to have this done at a shop, well, the average labor rate will usually be about one solid hour. Now, depending on the shop, this could be as little as $50 or as much as $120 or more. Now, compare the cost of a socket set and a breaker bar against a $200 repair. Uh-huh. The sooner you take care of that bad belt, the cheaper it will be in the long run. Now, I suppose some of you may want to know about the uh, while you're in there's for this. Well, you know, oddly enough, there aren't too many, but there here's a couple that come to mind. While you have the pulley off for your power steering pump, well, these are often uh, times frowned upon as they make your power steering pump work harder than it was intended to using a overdrive pulley for your power steering pump. Now, the principle is pretty simple. As lower RPMs, uh, at, at lower RPMs, a smaller pulley will actually spin faster, giving you better steering response under a load at lower engine speed. This kind of a job usually requires a special tool called a pulley puller, and they oftentimes can be rented from your local parts store for next to nothing. You may also want to consider swapping out the fan clutch or going to an electric fan and freeing up some engine space and some horsepower. Note that if you change a pulley or remove one from the equation altogether with something like an air conditioner delete, well, then you will need to change your belt length. And just take that into consideration. Well, Jeeper, I hope this helps. I know it was long and I'm kind of a dry topic, but I know I just gave you something that you will have to worry about on your Jeep, something else you're going to have to think about and consider and all that sort of stuff. I know. Great. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> but an, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This is great. It looks like it would be a fairly easy job if you had the basic tool and kind of knew what you're looking for. And I exactly. Guess it, I guess it really depends on the vehicle that you're doing it on. I know the, the Cherokee, the XJ, uh, it can be a bit of a pain getting the belt tight enough. Uh, I, uh, I finally got what, what, I would, what I always call a graduated thumb that you uh, press on the yeah, belt uh, yeah. to, to actually get the, the belt the right tightness because the way I was taught, you know, way, way back, it was just, you know, you could just press on the belt and you could tell it was tight enough. But with the, the Cherokee, the belt would squeal when the air conditioner came on. Or it may just squeal when it's cold out and not, you know, not go off. And the glazing that uh, Josh was talking about. Wendy, do you remember when I came up there, met you for the first time, uh, the, mm -hmm. the Nexon event uh, at Gold Mountain? Do you remember all the, the burns on my hand? Yes, I do. So uh, that, that, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show. Uh, and I, 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 I was telling you guys what it was. The serpentine belt had broken on mm -hmm. my XJ in the middle of the summer on my way home and I had pulled over in a parking lot, I had a spare, but it was at home and I needed some, oh, some oh. tools. So I got my daughter to bring me tools that I needed and the belt and the serpentine belt had wrapped around the, uh, the fan and oh, I needed cutting damn. tools to get that thing off of there. So I could stand there and sweat 
uh, wait for the the Jeep to cool off when the middle of the summer in Texas, it wasn't going to be anytime soon or get in there and start trying to cut that thing free because it was going to take some time to do. And I kept yeah. touching the really hot, hot part Ooh. of the, uh, the, the, um, the water pump and it, it was burning my hand, but I was yeah, just so, so after getting this thing done so I could get home, uh, I just kept doing it. And, and by the time I was done, I probably had five or six really good burns on the back of my right <laughs> hand. And yeah, it was, st- and it was still there when I made that trip up to uh to, to big bear lake california yeah i remember that. i remember wow. i remember hearing the i remember hearing about that hearing about you uh because i think it might have even been like on a show night or something but uh i remember hearing about you know your, your jeep broke down and had to have uh you know when the kids or the wife come and get you the part and uh, and some tools to do it with and everything like that you were know, kind of half stranded but it wasn't all that far from home to yeah. where you could make ma- made all this happen relatively easily so uh, but I did. I never knew about the burns. Yeah, it took a couple hours, uh, all all said and done, and and that was even after the engine had cooled down quite a bit. It was so wrapped around that thing, so some damage had occurred to the belt. Uh, I was uh, uh, char- uh, hooking up the uh, a new part for the AC system, and it popped off. It didn't. It apparently wasn't latched in, and it popped off, and that thing had hit the belt and, and put a little, just a, a tiny little nick in it. And I All had things. ordered, and I had ordered another belt, but I hadn't, uh, I hadn't put it on yet. And so all this stuff that Josh is telling you, think about this stuff. If you if you mm-hmm. know you have a problem with the belt, or you go out there and expect inspect it, and you see the things he's talking about, that could be you uh, having to go through this. You may not burn your hands. I got <laughs> gloves in the Jeep now, so <laughs> yeah, I was going to say <laughs> this is why we carry a set of gloves a with us. Thick, That's right, thick, you know, leather gloves. Right. Uh, He's got welding gloves in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is the type of thing that could happen to you. And, you know, you may be calling AAA to take it to a shop, and then they're going to charge you for uh, removing oh. that belt. And it's got a, it's got metal threads in it, uh, cables in it. And that was the part that I was having a really hard time with. Anyway, uh, be warned. That's good information. Well, thanks, Tony. And in the meantime, if you have anything to add or if you have a question for uh, the Tech Talk segment, well, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. It was an event 10 years in the making. Two Jeepers brought together by a single podcast. And it would create a lifelong obsession with beaver nuggets and bad cigars. It's the Jeep Talk Show event at Hidden Falls Adventure Park brought to you by Nexon Tires returns for another trip. Not again. The Jeep Talk Show takes over Hidden Falls June 4th and 5th. Come meet your favorite Jeep Talk Show hosts. See the Jeep Talk Show Gladiator and enjoy some amazing off-road terrain. Did we mention you can get some free stickers, too? Yeah, and I suppose you're going to say, you know, while you're in there. The second annual Jeep Talk Show Meet the Hosts event at Hidden Falls Adventure Park in Marble Falls, Texas, June 4th and 5th. Yeah, I'll be there. Brought to you by the Nexon Tires Rodian MTX Mud Terrain Tire. Yeah, I want to give me some of y'all. For more information, go to JeepTalkShow.com or follow the show on Facebook. That's where you guys have been hiding. From around the world... Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview.
Alrighty, hello, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And uh, well, this we're going to start with this. Jeep is fundamental to Toledo, Ohio's heritage. Toledo Jeep history begins in 1941 when Willys Overland won a significant United States military contract to design the Willys MB, a four-wheel drive utility vehicle that was manufactured through World War II. Today, both the iconic Jeep Wrangler and Jeep Gladiator are being produced in Toledo. Jerry Huber was a plant executive at Toledo Assembly Complex three decades ago. He was hired in 1983 to run Jeep's paint body and has risen to lead the plant's manufacturing operations. When Chrysler was considering shutting down the plant operations because of labor and manufacturing issues, Huber worked to, uh, with labor uh, to, and management to make the Toledo Assembly one of the most efficient and productive for Jeep, thus saving the Jeep brand in Toledo. Jerry Huber is the chairman of the annual Toledo Jeep Fest uh, held in downtown Toledo. Last year, over 60,000 people from all over the United States celebrated the iconic Jeep and its hometown. And you can find out more about the Jeep, uh, the Toledo Jeep Fest at, uh, strangely enough, ToledoJeepFest.com. Jerry, thanks a lot for being here, and uh, we really appreciate it. My goodness, thank you for saving Toledo Jeep plant. That's just wonderful. I don't know if I would uh, feel the same about uh, a Jeep built in Florida or maybe overseas. Well, I didn't I didn't save it by myself, believe me. I was just <laughs> one of the guys that were interested in the Jeep heritage, the Jeep production, and the people that build these vehicles. So uh, we kind of got our heads together and decided what we needed to do and made it happen. Yeah, but it's got to make you feel good that you were able to do that uh, it, 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 for the people. And I mean, there's so many families and they they all had lives that they were able to pay for because of uh, working there and building such a great product. Yeah, Jeep is integral into the, uh, obviously, the Toledo area, uh, northwest Ohio, southeast Michigan. Probably about 25% of the workers uh, when I was there uh, were residing in southern Michigan here because we're, you know, we're a borderline uh, kind of a city. Uh, as to the state line. So, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be a part of this organization. And I'm just happy that now in retirement that I can, uh, you know, participate and hopefully give back to some of the people that uh, worked so hard over those years. That is neat. So tell me, what is your, uh, how, how do you uh, contribute to the Toledo Jeep Fest? What, what's your role in that uh, uh, very well-known event, yearly event? Uh, back in the, uh, you know, in, in 2016, uh, which was the, 70, or the uh, 75th anniversary of Jeep, uh, the uh, UAW and uh, some of the community leaders and so forth decided we needed to have some type of a celebration, and they asked me to jump in and help uh, with that and uh, kind of been involved with it ever since. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a kind of a unique situation because... Uh, our event, along with, you know, there's so many Jeep events. I'm sure you guys cover a lot of them across the United States, uh, you know, throughout the year. But uh, what makes our event different is that it's, number one, held in the uh, the current home of the, the Jeep. Uh, and then uh, the, the other thing I think that makes ours interesting is that it's held in a downtown metropolitan area. I've been to a lot of, of events, including the uh, the big event over at Butler, you know, and they're out of the fairgrounds, or if you go to Myrtle Beach or Jeep Beach, you know, it's uh, it's on the on the sand and so forth. Uh, you know, very seldom do you see an event that's held in the uh, in, in a metropolitan area, and uh, 
that really, although it presents some challenges, it really presents us some opportunities to build on that uniqueness. You know, we've got, uh, you know, uh, some really sweet concert venues uh, for uh, live music. Uh, we've got restaurants. We've got hotels. And, you know, we have a new hotel that's uh, reopened this year that's going to be directly adjacent to the uh, convention center where we have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of activities are centered around that area, including, uh, you know, a historical vehicle, historical and and custom uh, vehicles that are uh, on display, uh, you know. And uh, last year we had a, an RC a radio control off-road course uh, with a lot of these little electric one-tenth uh, scale jeeps that where people were uh, running on there. You know, we've got uh, a vendor midway. We actually shut down several of the main city streets. Uh, and we have a vendor midway. Uh, you know, and you know, I, I guess everybody could say, well, you know, all the other events have a vendor midway. You know, but the difference is that there aren't parked out on a fairground. You know, ours are on a city street. And if you want to park, uh, uh, you know, anywhere from uh, uh, 10 to, to 12, 15, uh, 53-foot semis with swing-out awnings on, on the city streets in a, in a downtown metropolitan area, you know, it's a, good, it's a good challenge, and it takes everybody pulling and cooperating to make that happen. Oh, I bet. And I'm, I'm sure that quite, uh, causes quite a stir with uh, the people that are in the downtown area. Uh, they may be thinking that E.T. is visiting or there's a hazmat situation. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's, it's surprising. Uh, we take over about a 20-square block area of downtown Toledo. Runs from the riverfront uh, back about uh, three, four blocks uh, to... It's called Huron Street, but it's, it's named after the big lake there in Michigan. But mm -hmm. uh, in, in any case, uh, the, the entire community has really embraced this event. And uh, you know, the participation uh, and, and support that we get from the, the people, I call them our neighbors in the, in, inside the footprint, is really amazing. You, you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of the uh, restaurants will run specials. Uh, the hotels have been very uh, cooperative as far as doing some, you know, special rates and uh, and packages. Uh, you know, the parking situation uh, is gets kind of uh, amazing because uh, last year I think we had somewhere between twelve and fifteen hundred vehicles that were in the in the parade or supporting the parade activity, and we parked everybody downtown in that in that footprint. One of the uh, one of the things when you when you buy a, a parade ticket uh, or a, a park and shine ticket, you're guaranteed parking inside the main festival area uh, for the entire day, and that's uh, that's pretty remarkable that we're able to do that. You know, uh, the Jeep Parade itself uh, has really become one of the mainstays of our event, and we've had uh, uh, we try to get vehicles. Uh, you know, the Jeep. The Jeep name has gone on a lot of different uh, types of vehicles over the years. So we get we get everything from the military Jeeps to the latest of the JKJL and uh, and Gladiators, uh, and try to get just the examples of everything in between. There's a uh, a Shriners group uh, out of uh, one of the local communities that has a uh, literally a fleet of these little uh, red Jeepsters from the uh, the early 50s, and uh, they're always at the, at the front of our parade. You know, you get the, the public officials and so forth and politicians. Uh, 
So they all get to ride in a Jeep. And then, uh, you know, uh, we have our military contingents with everything from, uh, you know, uh, MBs with uh, simulated machine guns on to, uh, you know, M715s with uh, troop carrier equipment. So it's uh, it's really an exciting parade to watch. In fact, uh, the last uh, two years, one of our uh, one of our vendors has live streamed it to all of their dealers throughout the world because they're an international uh, sponsor there, Omix uh, Omix uh, Auto. And uh, we actually had calls the next day from people from uh, Romania asking about, hey, how do we get into this parade? <laughs> so uh, it's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. And I would assume that uh, just like Jeepers, there's all kinds of modifications to the to the Jeeps that are in the parade. Well, yeah, you'll I mean, literally, uh, you know, the 13 to 1500 vehicles that are here in, in, in town downtown, uh, you won't see two of them the same. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you've been around to these events. The Jeep is uh, Jeep vehicles tend to take on a, a special aura of personalization uh, and uh, they're all different, and it, it's an opportunity for you know the owners and uh, and the people who are riding along to uh, showcase those differences, and they really have a good time. I mean, it's a it's a fun family event, and uh, you know we've we've really been impressed with the attendance over the years. So I got to ask you a question uh, about your background. You were hired in 1983 to run Jeep's Paint and Body Shop. So, and, and I don't know how long you ran that, but I bet you you're familiar with the uh, P, is it a PH4 uh, Red. No, I'm sorry, PR4 Red. Why was PR. the, why PR was the PR4 red. red the best damn red Jeep ever painted the vehicle? Yep. It's all, you know, it, you know, the, the color schemes that we've used over the years, you know, have oftentimes been, uh, been limited uh, by the facility. You know, the, the Jeep plant at the old Parkway plant was the oldest operator. When they closed it down in 2000, uh, 2001, was the uh, oldest operating uh, assembly plant still. Uh, I had worked when I, I had worked for Ford for about 15 years uh, before I came to, uh, it was actually American Motors in 83 when I hired, hired in. And uh, we were just in the process uh, at, at AMC there at the Jeep plant of converting from the, uh, the single pack enamels to base coat clear coats. And once we got into the base coat clear coat technology, obviously that opened the door to, uh, you know, a lot of different uh, uh, and uh, different uh, paint finishes and so forth. Uh, so it was, uh, it was pretty exciting time. It was also the time when we were uh, finally getting a handle on the perfection of the uh, e-coat process. You know, a lot of the guys that uh, have done the old CJs or restored old, old CJs or uh, the old gladiators and so forth uh, know about uh, the uh, the corrosion issues that you used to have, and those things significantly improved with the uh, the incorporation of the electrocoat prime processes. So, was that when that new technology with the clear coat uh, came about? Was it something that you were uh, that you thought was going to work out well, or was it this newfangled stuff? I'm not sure how good it's going to be, and you just kind of had to go with it to, to to find out it was better. Oh no, I I had uh, had the opportunity when I was at Ford to go through the uh, transition to the different types of, uh, uh, of of paint operations and so forth, and 
Uh, I was very, very comfortable that these improvements in the uh, in the paint finish uh, were, were going to make a big difference. Oh, know? I didn't. I didn't realize they we, they had we trailed the Ford on that. We were using acrylic clear coats in those days. Now they're you know pretty much everything's now gone to water based. So uh, you know uh, it's uh, you know this technology moves along. You've got to uh, you got to adapt. Oh, of course. Uh, but still, uh, whenever you're uh, hoping for a final product, sometimes you get a little nervous about how it's going to hold up. But uh, I didn't realize that Jeep had uh, trailed Ford on that. Yeah, uh, Ford was pretty instrumental in, uh, in, in a lot of the, uh, the, the paint finishes. Uh, I worked at the, uh, the Wixom plant where they, had the, where they produced the Lincolns uh, before they you know, shut the operations down there. And uh, we actually sent a crew. I... We were piloting some of the things that we had seen uh, done on the uh, in the German technology with uh, you know metallic finishes and so forth, and uh, we went over actually spent a couple of months in Germany at the Cologne plant, uh, understanding how they worked with uh, their suppliers. With at the time was uh, BASF, which is German-based uh, paint operation. So when we came back. Uh, uh, to the states, we were actually a- able to I- implement those processes and control systems across our Ford plants, and uh, that's one of the things that really encouraged me to come down here to the uh, to the Jeep operation because uh, it was a chance to do it again and maybe do it a little bit differently, but uh, with full confidence that it was going to make a much better product. So, what was the last uh, Jeep like? Uh, the last uh, Wrangler uh, that uh, that was made while you were still there at the uh, plant, the, the plant executive at Toledo's assembly complex. I actually stayed through the uh, the, the conversion from a YJ to TJ, and then uh, uh, I went after the TJ was launched in like '98. Uh, I uh, went to back to the uh, Chrysler Tech Center. Uh, at manufacturing uh, staff to uh, work on some other other products and so forth. Uh, there's many that uh, argue that the TJ was the last best real Wrangler. Yeah, you can always get that argument going with uh, <laughs> uh, one of these Jeep events and so forth. But uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the of the TJ uh, because I was there for the for the full launch of it, including uh-huh. uh, you know the prototype builds and so forth. But the, uh, you know, uh, for me, and I, my time at the, uh, at the Toledo complex was probably, I mean, if I could, if you could ever pick a window to be there, uh, I would have picked the time that I spent. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, and the reason I say that is that uh, we were building the, when I came there, we were building the CJ, uh, CJ5, CJ7. Uh, we were building the uh, Grand Wagoneer. Uh, we were building the J series trucks, and uh, also, you know, in '83 we launched the uh, uh, the Cherokee. And I know you're a, I know you're a Cherokee guy. I got so, a Cherokee, uh, but we have uh, we have three TJs here: a Cherokee and a 2021 uh, Jeep Gladiator. So uh, I had somebody stop by the house the other day while I was outside, wanting to know if uh, if I'd sell a Jeep. <laughs> it looks like a Jeep parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the way that's the way my barn looks. That. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really encouraged with the uh, with the products uh, you know that they're that they're making now, and I'm also very impressed with the, some of the products that they built uh, years past. My favorite, uh, probably for uh, off-roading trail riding, is the uh, uh, 
the, the uh, probably the I don't know what you how you guys refer to them as a as a TJ Unlimited or the TJL or an LJ, uh, but uh, you know the, the long wheelbase two door is uh, is a, an impressive ride when you're off road, and uh, you know it still has the i6 engine in it. The I'm a I'm a big fan of the four liter. Engine. Oh, I was just going to ask you about the 4.0. I love the 4.0. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you some great stories about the 4.0, and then uh, you know. Uh, one of my one of my favorites was a guy down in I think he was in South Carolina, uh, a couple I been years ago, and he had a uh, he had a speedboat with uh, a couple of small block Chevys in it, and he blew up a motor. And long story short, somebody talked him into putting in two uh, four liter sixes, <laughs> and uh, they were lighter and they had uh, all kinds of, of power. And he was just as happy as could be with it. But, uh, you know, you, you take that four liter six and you, uh, you know, you take care of it, change the oil. And I, I know of guys in our area that have run them for over 300, 350,000 miles. Yep. So uh, if you take care of that motor, it will take care of you. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a derivative of the old 258. Right. So, uh, I think the, uh, you know, the best of the best is, and I don't know if you've known anybody that has built one of these or if anybody, uh, I'm sure some of your readers are familiar with them, but they, uh, Golan makes a, 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 a long block assembly in either 4.6 or 4.7 uh, liter. And it's, uh, it's just, you know, commonly referred to as a, a, a stroker, a, four, a Jeep stroker motor. Right. And, uh, those things are incredible uh, off-road, and you know when you compare them to how the, uh, uh, particularly the uh, JK early JK engines with the uh, 3.8, uh, and that's a good motor. Don't get me wrong. I my my JK8 has a uh, a 3.8 in it, but the uh, uh, the inline six is such a torque generator, and then you bump it up to uh, 4.6 or 4.7. And the, the low end torque on it, and and the uh, the horsepower being developed at a much lower RPM, is what you really not want to you know need, and what you can really enjoy when you're doing the off road thing. You know, uh, nobody wants to. I don't think most guys want to be out there uh, when you get peak horsepower on a on a three eight at somewhere what thirty eight hundred four thousand RPM. Not too many guys I know want to be doing four thousand RPM. In, uh, in 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 four wheel drive and no, low range. No, I mean that's great for a minivan, but uh, not so not so yeah, much exactly. an off road vehicle. Uh, so I was going to ask you on the uh, the four point um, The I know that they well I think I know they got rid of the four because of the MPG uh, that they were getting out of it, and they needed to get better miles per gallon. So they they went with a three eight. Um, and I think I remember hearing that the 3.8 liter, uh, you had a one in three uh, chance of getting one that would start using oil rapidly, and then you would lose the uh, the bottom end on it, requiring replacement sometimes uh, before 100,000 miles. Does, does that sound anything like what uh, uh, you've heard? I, I, I can't really uh, can't really offer much on that. Uh, you know, I know that. Uh, there's a, a ton of the the three eights out there, and they're running strong. Uh, 
you know, I know that uh, the, the one of the reasons that they did go away from the, uh, the inline six were a couple of things. One was the fuel economy, and the other one was that it, it was at a point where, you know, it wasn't really responding uh, to uh, emissions uh, oh, changes at that time. Interesting. Plus, uh, you know, the other thing that, the, you know, was, was an issue was the uh, being a, uh, an inline six uh, of that cubic inch displacement with that, you know, really, uh, you know, an antiquated big block for, a, for an inline six uh, was a very long powertrain. And uh, you you see uh, front end collision issues, uh, you know, uh, with they, with doing making changes to make the vehicle uh, more compliant with uh, crash resistance and so forth. Having that real long engine uh, becomes more and more difficult. Damn it, we don't need safety. We need something that lasts three hundred thousand miles and it gets you up a rock face. <laughs> Well, yeah, some we some days you'd like to think that, but the yeah. reality is that uh, you got to have a uh, not only a safe vehicle, you got to have some de- some level of efficiency. And if you've if you've l- looked at the difference between the uh, you say you you have a JT in your fleet now, yep. So a Gladiator. So if you look at the creature comforts in that vehicle versus uh, one of the TJs, or even go back to a you know a CJ. Uh, there's been quite an evolution on it. So I've done a lot of modifications to my XJ, and it doesn't drive exactly the same as the the, the JT, but it's it's very similar. Uh, I, I when I'm driving the the Gladiator, uh, the the vision the vision outside of the the truck is very similar to what I get on the XJ, except I can see out the back window since I've got a spare tire, big spare tire on the back of my XJ. But I've been really yeah. really happy because I bought that uh, that uh, Cherokee. In '98, brand new off the showroom floor, so I've I've been driving that as a daily driver all the way up until when I bought this uh, this Gladiator, and of course still have the Cherokee, and I don't have any plans of getting rid of it. Uh, of course, it's uh, it's uh, it, its paint code is PR4, is why I brought it up earlier. <laughs> uh, Colorado Red, they called it. Is it? That was uh, one of the that was one of the sales uh, codes for it. Colorado Red. Oh, and it's funny because you mentioned Colorado. It came with an upcountry package, and uh, which was okay. a, a, unusual in the Houston area. They the dealer said they normally see packages uh, like that sent to like Colorado and off more off road destinations. So, uh, yeah, I got uh, yeah, that. Actually, that actually had a little bit higher ride height and uh, different shocks and so forth on yeah, it. It was one a inch, nice package. Yeah, one inch lift. Yep. Uh, if I remember right. So uh, I thought that was really cool. I have been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's got an Atlas uh, transfer case in it now because of uh, the, oh, wow. the MP242. I uh, kept stretching the chain, so I said to hell with it. I'm getting rid of the chain. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got one, uh, a 2000 at home with uh, uh, the little chain stretch that every once in a while when you're in, <laughs> in, in four-wheel drive, uh, if you're, you know, Putting some load on it, you get a little jump there. So, oh yeah, that popping it's noise. Gonna, oh it'll my! It'll be transfer case time. Yeah, it's just so such a pain in the butt. It seems like a, every time I would try the four wheel drive before going off on a off road adventure, it'd start popping. So, oh well. So uh, let me but, ask uh, you. Let me give, uh, to turn you back to, <laughs> to the Toledo yeah, Jeep Fest. Let's jump back to Jeep Fest. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> you know if uh, if you guys are in the area or if you've got uh, one of your you know, constituents or one of your staff guys that I hate, I think you got one fellow who lives up in the Detroit area. So uh, 
We definitely want to make arrangements to have him come and visit on August uh, 12, 13, and 14. Uh, you're going to see uh, we're shooting this year to have uh, Jeeps from at least, uh, well, we're going to try and get them from all 50 states. Last year, in a, you know, in the, uh, the, the, the quasi-COVID restriction time, we were able to get uh, vehicles from 37 states. Uh, we normally get a big contingency from Canada uh, because they're close, but the uh, border was still closed. So we didn't have our friends from Canada join us in any numbers. But, uh, you know, in 2016, because it was the 75th anniversary, we were trying to get uh, one of each of the production years registered for the event. I think we came up shy on one year. We, for whatever reason, uh, we couldn't find a 1955. It would have been a, a CJ5 that we were looking for, I guess, at that time. But uh, uh, we found one that came in that got registered, but they never showed for the event. So, uh, you know, we've decided that this year, because there's so many different kinds of Jeeps built over these now, this will be our, this will be the 81st anniversary here. Last year was our 80th. We're going to try and get at least a one vehicle from uh, every, representing every state. Uh, and I know you think that the tough ones, uh, the tough ones would be uh, Alaska would be one of the tough ones. But uh, you know, uh, you know our friend uh, Danny Greck. Oh yeah, Dan Greck, sure. Yeah, Dan, he's down in Australia now, but uh, he was at our event. Uh, we had he was here for a couple of years, and uh, the, the uh, was a. The JK that he was driving, for whatever reason, had Alaska plates on it. So he helped us. Uh, he helped us on that challenge uh, the last time. Yeah, we've had Dan on the show three times, and I think we're working on a, an, another interview here uh, coming up uh, pretty soon. So yeah, uh, he, for he, for the folks that don't a know, Gladiator down there in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I saw the Gladiator build, and uh, we'll certainly be talking to him about the the Gladiator. So, um, on the, the the Toledo Jeep Fest, for those individuals who may have heard about it, but they've never been there. Uh, you you spoke about the parade, but what else goes on at the Toledo Jeep Fest? Why would somebody want to go to the Chile, uh, Toledo Jeep Fest other than the parade? Well, again, uh, it's a different kind of an event. We're spread out over uh, over the three days. Uh, we don't have, and you know, we've tried each year. We try to figure out how to do it in a metropolitan area. We don't have any kind of a big down, you know, get down and get dirty uh, off-road course or anything like that. Uh, it, it's you'd think sometimes with the conditions on city streets that you might be able to muster something like that, but that hadn't worked out. So, uh, so that's the only thing that you're not going to find. What you are going to find uh, is. Uh, uh, a ton of Jeep activities, uh, including the, the big parade. Uh, we're going to have some, uh, we have like 30, I think last year we had somewhere between 27 and 30 hours of live uh, music. We have usually four to five different stages uh, that are there. Uh, the parade is televised. Uh, there's a big car show in the, uh, in the uh, uh, Jeep show in the, uh, the Seagate Center. It's now it's called the, the Glass City Convention Center. Uh, we'll have uh, a lot of Jeep-themed activities with the uh, uh, the restaurants and bars and so forth that are downtown. Uh, we have a uh, AAA baseball team here in Toledo uh, that you may, I'm sure, you may have heard of. They're one of the more famous of the AAA's. They're the uh, 
the Toledo Mud Hens. <laughs> and typically what they've done, uh, they're going to be in town all three days. So they'll have uh, games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They move their game up Sunday so that people who would be in town and have to get home could still participate. I think it's like a 2 o'clock start. And they rebrand their team for the three days that, we're, that they're in town that weekend. The last time they were the Toledo Mud Crawlers. Had some really wild uh, jerseys with tire tracks on them. Uh, some of the four, 419 Qs. Uh, with a little heart under it that's like on a Jeep tailgate or on a Jeep uh, bedliner and so forth or on the Gladiator. And, uh, you know, uh, this year we're going to do uh, a couple of different things uh, that we haven't done in the past. On uh, on Sunday, in addition to the big uh, vendor Midway, which typically has, you know, about 100 different vendors, 100 different types of vendors, and all, including all the big ones, uh, uh, Chrysler uh, brings their concept cars down. We have usually five or six of the concept vehicles. They'll have their trailers there uh, with the components and so forth. Uh, Mopar shows up. Uh, Terraflex has been here. Uh, one of the fellows that you had on uh, one of your shows not too long ago, uh, Derek from Rock Rash Off-Road is here with the, all the custom lighting and, uh, and knowledge that he shares. Uh, some of the others, uh, the vendors that we have, uh, we're blessed right up the road from us here in uh, in Monroe, Michigan, uh, is the uh, Monroe uh, Tenneco shock absorber people. They've been out there, used to make even the uh, power takeoff on the old uh, on the old CJs after the war. Uh, but uh, those folks are here with their Rancho products uh, and so forth. So uh, a lot of your big vendors are here. I'm trying, you know, there, there's so many of them, it's, uh, it's tough to remember. But, uh, you know, uh, one of our title sponsors uh, that everybody is familiar with is the Dana, Dana folks right. that have been building axles uh, since, the, uh, since the early 1940 prototypes were built. Dana Corporation has been putting axles underneath all of our vehicles. And uh, it's kind of incidental, but in cool information is that, at the site of the old uh, Jeep plant here in Toledo, there's a new Dana axle plant built on the uh, built on the same site, and uh, uh, we have one of the old stacks with the Willys uh, uh, bricked into the Willys name bricked into the sta- uh, the uh, smokestack that's uh, on still on the property. It's called the Willys Industrial Park, but uh, it houses now one of the the newest uh, Dana uh, axle factories, uh, you know, in, in, across the globe. Very so there's cool. a lot going on. Uh, we're trying to do some new things. We have this. Uh, we have two events that are going to be new this year. Uh, we have a what we're calling a, a trail-ready throwdown, and we're gonna. We've got a big parking lot uh, uh, downtown. We're going to set up some uh, some kind of mini obstacles, and we're going to try and uh, we're going to have like uh, somewhere between six and ten teams uh, competing on some. Uh, uh, events that uh, you might encounter while you're out on the trail. We're not going to go into a lot of details on that because it's kind of a surprise when you come prepared for, uh, you know, an off-road uh, trail ride, and we're going to throw up some some obstacles for you and see how it goes. It, it'll include some vehicle recovery skills, maybe some vehicle repair skills, and so forth. And then uh, one of the things, we've, we one of our partners is the uh, Toledo Metro Parks, uh, and uh, you know they they they've been a great partner last year uh, and 
in uh, one of our uh, small mini parks downtown, they set up a big pool and they did some kayaking instruction and had some uh, a rock climbing, a big rock climbing display, uh, you know, that appeals to the outdoor aspects of the jeeping community. Well, this year we have a metro park that's right next to the staging area for our parade. And we're going to set up a jeep base camp and we're going to be able to have uh, camping downtown in, in a downtown metropolitan area for somewhere between we're thinking 50 to, to somewhere between 50 to 100 campsites. We have to get out there after the snow is gone and figure out how we want to do this exactly. But uh, we've already got a, a movie night planned. We're going to do an outdoor movie on uh, on the Friday night for the people that come in early, and then there'll be a pig roast for the people that are camping and participate on the uh, uh, on on Saturday evening. So. I got to tell you, uh, when we get the full schedule out, there's really more things than you can do uh, in the three days. But uh, uh, there's kid zones. Uh, again, it's a very family-oriented thing. And I guess the, the, the last thing I would tell you is that um, we have registration for, uh, you know, vendor spots and so forth. There's some, you know, some, some charges for those. Uh, we have the parade, which is a ticketed event, and we have the... Uh, uh, the Park and Shine, which is a ticketed event. The event tickets are very, very reasonable because we've been blessed with great sponsors over the years. So the main thing that's in, impressive about our event and one of the things that clearly drives our attendance numbers is our event is free to the, to the general public. And they, uh, the participants that pay the, the fees for the parade and for the uh, Park and Shine you know, you get your goodie bag, you get your uh, uh, you know, special T-shirt uh, that are custom designed each year for the event. And uh, uh, you, you have access to uh, everything. And then the big bonus for me is, uh, is the downtown parking uh, for, the, for the event. Uh, you know, you go to a lot of these events and uh, so you park your vehicle for the, you know, the 8, 10, 12 hours that you might be there. Uh, you've spent more than what our registration fee is in total. So uh, <laughs> it's a good time. Uh, we, we try to make it accessible for everybody. It's a pet-friendly event. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you've got your dogs, uh, bring them along. Uh, you know, it's a downtown area. So, uh, you know, there's some, there's some difficulties in uh, the difficulties, but there's some unique things you have to do with, deal with down there that you don't have when you're out on an out uh, on a fairground or a campground, but uh, uh, I think the uh, the pluses way offset the the negatives. Well, you're and, you're uh, so close to restaurants and stuff, uh, so there's I'm sure there's a lot of things within walking distance. Where if you're at a fairground, it's it's pretty much a, a drive. You got to go back and get your vehicle and drive to it. You know, Jerry, I was oh, yeah. just I was just thinking that if you could keep Toledo from fixing potholes for a year just in the area where the, the event is being held, you'd have your off-road course. Well, you know, <laughs> it, we've had some discussion that the city's a, a great partner in this, and they work real close with us on uh, on closing city streets and creating, you know, uh, parking areas for us. But uh, was it, uh, was it two years ago, uh, we had a water main break right by one of the main intersections to the convention center. And it happened to be a street that we weren't going to be able to close, and it ended up with a 50-foot deep hole oh that encompassed goodness. that entire intersection. So 
we had a couple of extra streets that got closed that year, but we did have to stay stay out of the uh, big pothole. Well, you could have uh, you could have yeah, shoved it, one of those new Broncos in that hole if it was this year, right? <laughs> yeah, the new Bronco <laughs> is, uh, is is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, this is a Jeep only event. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Dana. That's uh, the plus, man. Our, our title sponsors <laughs> also produces axles for those folks, so uh, yeah, we'll you got, see how that goes. But we're ready for it. You got to make a living. That's fine. I have no problem with the Bronco. Yeah, I just, I'm just not interested in it. So <laughs> I'm a jeeper. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I drove those uh, when I worked at Ford. I had those for a couple of years, but uh, I can tell you that the, the Jeep has been kind of a special vehicle to me for years and years. So mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna keep the uh, keep the juices flowing, but. Uh, and the Jeep, Toledo Jeep Fest is a great way to do that. You know, it it celebrates, uh, you know, obviously the Jeep, the Jeep history and so forth, and all the people in our community and this part of the uh, neck of the woods, if you will, that uh, that build them. But uh, Jeepers, as you know, come from everywhere. Oh, yes. In fact, I, I think the JK8 that I have, uh, in fact, the, the conversion was done someplace down in Texas. Oh, okay. You know? Very but, cool. Uh, well, it certainly sounds like you guys have a lot to look at and something that can keep you busy for several days and free. I mean, every Jeeper likes free, uh, so that's a, a great situation. I mean, you get Jeeps, you got uh, food. I, I got to figure that one of those restaurants probably has a, a seven-slot grill steak, uh, you know, or seven, seven slots grilled steak is, is the way it should go. So I'm, I'm just, I got, I'm full of million-dollar ideas, the potholes, the seven-slot steak, the whole thing. So, Jerry, tell me, uh, the, the, of course, you go to ToledoJeepFest.com to get all the updated information. Uh, oh, uh, when's the, uh, the, the 2022 event? Is that, uh, what's the dates on that? 2022 is August, August 12th, 13th, and 14th. Very cool. So, you know how the kids love the social media. We mentioned the Toledo Jeep Fest site. Are you guys on uh, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Tic Tac? Where, uh, where, where are you guys on? Absolutely. If you go to Toledo, just put in Toledo Jeep Fest on Instagram, uh, Facebook, any of the other social medias, you'll uh, you'll find it. Uh, we share a lot of our information with a lot of the Jeep clubs uh, across the U.S. Uh, we've asked our sponsors, uh, some of our sponsors like Quadratech and Omex Auto, Rugged Ridge, that have their websites. They uh, they try to put a link to us, and uh, you know. Uh, spread the word. Our challenge this year is to get uh, participants from all 50 states. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a patriotic theme. We like to have a uh, flag. When you come down that main, the main strip of the uh, parade, we're going to have uh, flags from all 50 states on either side of the street. Uh, great, Some great photo ops. And, uh, you know, speaking of photo ops, we have this, uh, we have the big Toledo Jeep plant here in town. Uh, they've got the, uh, you see it in, the, uh, in a lot of the pictures and so forth, the big Jeep that sets, uh, that has the uh, Jeep letters look like they're carved in stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a carryover from the old plant uh, that used to be the old Jeep Parkway plant. And for years, we had a, a gold uh, Jeep Cherokee, a four-door Cherokee, sitting on top of that. So, uh, you know, that's available and uh, for some great photo ops. Uh, you have downtown, there's a lot of murals and so forth, and we have the uh, Jeep stack over at the old Toledo Jeep Parkway site, and there's a uh, veterans memorial at the Jeep plant with a military vehicle and some silhouettes of the soldiers cut out of stainless steel. That uh, if you're in town and you need to take a good picture of your Jeep, uh, there's some great locations. 
you know, let somebody know one of the local Jeep clubs, uh, either the Glass City Crawlers, uh, the, the Toledo Mud Crawlers, where Wicked Jeeps will have uh, a ton of their representatives there. They uh, help support our event. And, uh, you know, they'll show you around town. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Oh, gosh, it sounds like it. And I, I don't mean to, if this is a curse word to you guys or not, but it sounds very much like SEMA, but all Jeep. And and to me, that would make a SEMA a lot better. I mean, there's a lot of Jeep out at SEMA already, <laughs> but all Jeep would just make it all that much better. So one last question for you, Jerry, and thank you so much for all this information. I can tell we've just scratched the surface, so we're going to have to get you back and, and talk more about the 4.0 and stuff. But on your, I believe you said your 2000 uh, Cherokee, your XJ, do you have a, a, a tuppy head or are you running the, uh, I believe it was the 0331 that liked to crack? Uh, I checked, and the best I can tell, I've got uh, I've got one of the other uh, serial number heads. I've never had any issue with that, so uh, uh, I'll defer to say that I have not had a problem with it. And <laughs> you know, all the O thirty three thirty ones didn't crack, but uh, you know. Enough of them did that it got to be an issue. Oh, yeah. It got a bad rap. Yeah. And I was so happy I had a 98 whenever I found out about that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'd love to get on the phone with you or even uh, get on the phone uh, and chat sometime about some of the, the cool Cherokee because I know you're an XJ guy. We had some amazing Cherokee experiences there at the plant uh, that I'd love to share with you, you know, <clears throat> including when we developed the right-hand drive versions. Uh, uh, some of the vehicles that we built for uh, uh, for export, and uh, you know, uh, we started doing some uh, build for the uh, uh, the GCC, which is uh, the Gulf community, uh, Gulf Coast communities over there, the Arab uh, countries, and uh, some of the things that we learned about XJs, uh, shipping them into those parts of the country, uh, and then probably one of my favorites was the. Uh, uh, the special service package that we worked uh, together with uh, Jeep Engineering on, which uh, most of them ended up as, uh, as as police cars, right? Uh, patrol cars and police cars, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I can tell you some great stories about uh, those vehicles. Had an opportunity to go up to the Michigan International Speedway when the Michigan State Police was uh, were doing their testing, and uh, it was just a, a cool thing to be a part of. But, Jerry, they never had a uh, Cherokee police at Interceptor, though, did they? Well. <laughs> it's a joke because uh, you, you can only make a brick go so fast. <laughs> well, how about this? 116.5 mile an hour in four-wheel drive at the Michigan International Speedway. <laughs> well, I've done that in my Cherokee when it was in stock configuration, but it wasn't in four-wheel drive. <laughs> Yeah, well, four-wheel drive does make a difference. Oh, but, yeah, uh, certainly. You know, there, there, there wasn't a true police interceptor package, but we uh, we kind of had a plan on how we would address that. So uh, <laughs> it's a sleeper. I'll share that with you sometime out on, oh. you know, on the big line. Oh, please. So just thank you so much for being here. And like I said, we got to get you back on because I can tell there's a lot of fun things that people would love to hear. we got a lot of listeners that – that love the Cherokee still and uh, the TJs and even the older ones, uh, the CJs and the military vehicles as well. So we have a wide range of listeners to our show and uh, we got to get you back. But thank you so much for being here and uh, everybody go out there to, to the Toledo Jeep Fest. Uh, it's going to be in August. You can get more information by going to ToledoJeepFest.com and uh, find out. Uh, I mean, you might want to enter in on the parade. How cool would it be to be in the Toledo Jeep Fest uh, parade with your Jeep? 
Jerry, uh, Jerry, thanks a lot for being with us. My pleasure, and uh, we'll talk again. Wow, so cool. I mean, we just can't thank Jerry enough, not only for coming on the show, but, I mean, really, for all he's done for the world of Jeeps. The man, the myth, the legend behind the Toledo Jeep Fest. Thanks again, Jerry. And don't forget, if you want more information about the Toledo Jeep Fest, just go to ToledoJeepFest.com. Hey, just because you've heard another great interview, it doesn't mean that we've talked to everybody out there. So let us know who you want to hear on the Jeep Talk Show next. Go to JeepTalkShow.com contact and find out how to reach out and let us know what, or in this case, who is on your mind. Hey, coming up next week, Sam Heron with Off-Road Air Buddy. How would you like to have a CO2 tank to air up your, your vehicle tires in no time at half the cost? Mm. half the cost yeah, you're gonna you're want yeah you're gonna want to hear this interview and you know i'm not a big uh, air tank fan but i might get one of these and just give it a try it's uh i, th- it's I a, think once you had one you would be well i'm i'm gonna be the suspenders and belt kind of person because i want an air compressor as well yeah, uh, well i have both but it's so much nicer to have a tank yeah so, and the great thing is, is Sam and his company are here local in Houston. Ooh, nice. And he fills up the tank when you buy it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, 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 and it, if you go over there to offroadairbuddy.com, and I really like this, this, this deal. He has a really nice, I saw him at Lone Star Jeep Invasion, not this year, but the year prior, and actually got to look at his products. And uh, the, uh, the real nice stuff, he's here local. And uh, his, if you look at the webpage, it only shows like a 10-pound tank, but he can get you any size you want. This is, wow. just, this is just a side company of the main carbonation business that they mm-hmm. have. So <laughs> he just thought it was silly to be able to, to spend so much money for an air tank whenever you could just, uh, when he could do it for a lot cheaper and pass those savings on to you. So anyway, check it out. Uh, we'll have uh, the great interview next week. Living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hey, Tony, Josh, and Wendy. It's Jeep Mama here, and I'm so excited. I finally got my Jeep back. It feels so good to be back in my Jeep. You don't realize how much you miss it until you're gone from it for over a week. Anyway, my Jeep was in the shop for an oil leak. And it was really weird getting back in the driver's seat, though. It felt like I was driving a semi. I had taken my son to Mount Rushmore this past weekend, so I rented a Toyota Camry. And I was used to being so low on the road. It just took me a little while to get readjusted to driving my lifted Jeep again. But the good news is... Um, the oil leak is fixed. What happened was I started to see oil spots on the driveway and in the garage. So I got underneath my Jeep and looked. Oh, I was so frustrated and it was really sad. I wasn't exactly sure what happened. I shared the problem and pictures with a Jeep friend of mine and now a new Jeep talk show fan. He said it looked like the oil filter housing adapter needed to be replaced. So I took it to a local mechanic here in small town, Minnesota, and my friend was right. The mechanic helping me said he sees this type of leak a lot because people over torque the plastic part or it cracks because of the cold temperatures, which makes it worse. And we have gotten below zero a few times here in Minnesota. Plus, it looks like this issue is a design flaw. The Chrysler Pentastar V6 oil 
filter, housing, and cooling assembly for the 3.2 liter and the 3.6 liter engines, which is what I have, can become warped, brittle, and cracked over time with constant exposure to the engine bay heat. They say this is a serious flaw in the design of the Pentastar oil filter housing and cooler assembly and often results in severe oil and coolant leaks and can have catastrophic consequences. So over the years, there have been speculation that Chrysler cut a few corners with this V6 and the original equipment parts. The plastic oil filter housing and cooler assembly is one example. There have been a number of complaints for this part and it's been staggering. There have been so many complaints with the OE replacements even that Chrysler has discontinued the manufacturing of the Pentastar oil filter housing and cooler assembly. Even more surprising is that Chrysler has known about this problem for a long time and has never issued a recall. That's what I read on the internet anyway. I had called around to three major auto parts stores trying to find the part and they all shared with me that the factory part is no longer available and claimed it hasn't been available for over a year and a half. So I tried to go with the Dorman aluminum upgrade. That part isn't available right now either. So if you suspect you have this problem, you better start hunting for the part now. The Dorman aluminum aftermarket part is very, very, very hard to get. If one does come in, it doesn't stay on the store shelves for more than a day. So I found an aftermarket part for $259.99, plus you need to buy the Manifold Set 2, which is $51.99. Now the part that I got is still plastic, but it's not the OEM part. It's the standard Autos part, which will work for now, I guess. So anyway, I was also informed by a friend who works for a garage that Jeep shows the OEM part is in stock, which, you know, I truly don't believe it's in stock, but I never checked. And that OEM part is listed at $424. That's $160 more than the part I got. So I'm hoping my oil leak woes are solved for now because I still have a lot more work to do on my Jeep. Finishing some unfinished work from the previous <clears throat> garage I was using. I'll have to install some lower control arm brackets and one shock mount. I just need to either learn how to weld or find somebody who knows how to weld. Plus, I got to finish working on the axle truss. So anyway, I will fill you guys all in on that once it's complete. In the meantime, happy Jeeping, everyone. Yeah, oil leaks in a Jeep, well, that's pretty much like, you know, breathing air when you're working up, waking up. You know, it's just kind of one of those <laughs> things that comes with the territory a little bit. Jeeps don't leak. They just mark their territory. How many there times do go. I got to say it? Oh, <laughs> perfect no, statement. Glad, glad you got it back. Glad everything's all fixed up and stuff, though. Glad to hear it. Well, let us know what your Jeep life is like and how Tammy's Jeep life compares with yours. We're always looking for great Jeep stories, so contact us. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Really kind of curious how the axle truss is going to turn out for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jeeper, don't forget about our newsletter. We've got a whole bunch of giveaways coming up. Well, the last show, we got one coming up here in another show or two. We've got all kinds of giveaways coming up in the near future and on regular basis as well. So if you want in on the action, you want a chance to win some of the biggest and most awesome gear that we've ever given away here on the show... Well, the newsletter is going to be your best chance to get in on the action. 
And it's very easy to sign up for our newsletter as well. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find that link to click and sign up. Don't worry, we're not going to spam you. We don't sell your information, none like, nothing like that. It's one email a week directly from the Jeep Talk Show. And it's chock full of all kinds of information about what's going on, what's coming up, and how you can get involved. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and sign up for our the Jeep Talk Show newsletter. Well, the Jeep Talk Show has come to an end. Well, just for this episode anyways. We have our entire history of shows at your fingertips for free. So be sure to check out some of our older episodes too. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Hey, did you know that if you take equal parts Jeep Talk Show and combine them with equal parts tequila, you get a topless Jeep that nobody wants to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Podcasting since 2010.